0: Well, we're in Genesis chapter 4, while you're turning there, uh, there was a little girl who uh, had a question for her, her mommy. She wanted to know where the human race came from. And uh, mommy told the little girl, well, sweetheart, about uh, several thousand years ago, God created Adam and Eve. And from Adam and Eve has come all the people that we've seen throughout history, and even including you and I today. And uh, she was satisfied with that answer. But then a couple days later, she went to her dad and she went and she asked her dad dad where did the human race come from and dad said well sweetheart you know millions of years ago a man just kind of evolved from the monkeys and uh that's how we've come about today and the little girl was a bit perturbed and so she went back to her mom and she said Mommy, daddy says that we came from monkeys. You told me we came from Adam and Eve. And she said, well sweetheart, you know, I was telling you the truth. And so was daddy. When I was, when I said that we came from Adam and Eve, I was talking about my side of the family. And daddy was talking about his. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're free to use that, but uh, it's not allowed with my daughter-in-laws so, who aren't here today. But <laughs> yes, a funny story, but uh, we really did come from Adam and Eve. And today we're looking at... Um, at the first family of the Bible, uh, the first baby that was ever born. And it gets started off on the right track. I mean, there's optimism here in verse one, but by the, by the time we get to verse 16, it, uh, it has unraveled and it is a tragic, tragic story. So let's read verses one through 16 this morning. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door, it's desires for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So as I said, the story begins very optimistically. There is a baby uh born it's the first baby ever born in Cain and uh Cain means gotten or acquired and uh and so i can just imagine adam and eve looking into this child's eyes and and remembering the promise that uh that uh, god made to eve in chapter 3 and just might this be the seed, might this be the child that's going to bruise the head of the serpent. You know, this is this is God's chosen one. And they fully believe that uh, they have acquired this child from the Lord. And in fact, Eve says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. You know, she delivered Cain in great pain. God said that uh, there, it was going to be painful uh, delivering children into the world. And I'm sure in that moment, as you ladies can relate to, that she's calling upon the Lord for help. And the Lord has helped her. And so she is acknowledging that in this passage of Scripture. But uh, she gives credit to uh, the Lord God, and then, following that birth experience in verse two, Abel comes along, his brother and uh, we see uh, with these two uh, two brothers that they have different professions: one is a farmer, and the other is the keeper. Of flocks, uh, he is a herder, and uh one's not better than the other. Both are necessary to uh sustain life, and so these are the professions that they that they take on. But in, and then in verse three, we see something interesting as well. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock what we're learning here in verse 3 that both Cain and Abel are worshipers and Abel brings an offering from his flock, flock and Cain an offering from the field. Now, from chapter 3 to chapter 4, uh we don't see anything pertaining to um offerings uh, uh offerings to the Lord, but uh Somehow, some way, uh, Cain and Abel know that this is a responsibility of theirs. This is something that God would have them do. Where did they learn this from? Obviously, from mom and dad you know i 'm sure that there were many conversations around the dinner table as to um, Mom and Dad's failure before the Lord and the consequences that uh, came um, from that failure. But what God did, in spite of their failure, um, they repented. We see this in Genesis chapter three, verse, verse 20. Uh, they began to believe God's promises again. For a, for a while there, the serpent had convinced them and they had experienced uh, the shame and the, re- the guilt and the regret of that decision to eat the fruit that God said, don't eat from. But in verse 20 of chapter 3, um, Adam is heard what God has promised his wife, that she is going to be the mother of the living. Up to that point, Eve didn't have a name. He was, She was just Adam's wife. But in verse 20, the Bible says, Adam names his wife Eve, which means living. He believes what God has told his wife. And they begin to believe God's promises again. And in verse twenty one, God provides a sacrifice. Here they've been covering themselves uh, with fig leaves in, in shame and guilt. And uh God takes a sacrifice. God does something that uh, Adam and Eve could not do for him themselves. He killed an innocent animal. An innocent animal's blood had to be shed to cover the sin, guilt, and shame of Adam and Eve. And from that animal, God took the skin and he clothed the man and the woman with the skin of that animal. And that's a beautiful picture of what happens to us as believers in Christ when we believe what God provided in the ultimate sacrifice at the cross when Jesus shed his blood for our sin. The Bible says when we believe, we've been baptized in Christ. We die to ourselves and become alive to God. And guess what? We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's only something God can do for us. And so I'm sure there were many conversations about what God did for mom and dad. And so the boys realize that uh, God... Requires sacrifice. God requires an offering. Now, where did they take this offering? You don't know for sure. But I want to submit that it was just outside the garden. They couldn't enter the garden. That garden was protected by the cherubim whom God set up. And uh, God did that by his grace, because he didn't want Adam and Eve to go back in there to eat from the tree of life. Had they eaten from the tree of life, they would have lived forever in their sin. And that would have been a very bad thing to have happened. And so God spared them, but he set up the cherubim. And as we look at the cherubim in Scripture, cherubim are are there to protect the holy we see it in the 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 tabernacle the tent tabernacle in the old testament we see it in the temple in jerusalem and we see uh, the cherubim at the throne of god in heaven in the book of revelation and so those cherubim represent the presence of god and god's presence is there in in the Garden of Eden. And I believe that Adam and Eve continued to go to the entrance of the Garden and offer their sacrifices. And the boys picked up on this. And the boys were worshipers. And in verse 3, we, verse 4 and verse 5, we were... Actually, verse 3, uh, we see that uh, the boys brought an offering to the Lord. Abel brought from the firstborn of his flock, and Cain brought from the produce of uh, his, his ground that he cultivated. And in verse 4, we see God accepting Abel's offering, his sacrifice, but in verse 5, we see God rejecting Cain's. Why? Why is this happening? Two reasons. Not only of the offering that was presented, but the attitude of the heart that it was presented in. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, the last part says, well, verse 4, Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel, God had regard for Abel and his offering. God had regard for Abel. Abel brought an offering unto the Lord that reflected his heart. Abel knew that he was a sinner and that he was in need of forgiveness and that he couldn't forgive himself. It required the blood of this sacrificial lamb or whatever animal it was i like to think it was a lamb that uh, that would cover his sin as imperfect as that sacrifice was it was the very best that abel had to offer but first god saw his heart that he was humble he was um, re- remorseful of his sin and that he needed forgiveness And God accepted not only Abel, but his sacrifice. That was pleasing unto the Lord. But then in verse 5, the Bible says, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He had no regard for Cain because God knew what was in Cain's heart. And this is going to come out. I mean, if you were to see Cain on the surface right now, you'd think Cain's a pretty good guy. You don't know what's in Cain's heart. God does. And it's going to come out as Cain is rejected by God in just a moment. But God rejects both Cain and his offering. Abel's was the very finest. It was the firstborn, and not just uh, any firstborn, but the fattest of the firstborn. This was the healthiest of the firstborn. But for Cain, he just brought the fruit of his ground. Cain didn't bring sacrifice. He didn't bring an animal sacrifice. He w- yes, he was a farmer, but he had the ability to bring um a sacrifice. He could have brought one from, uh, bought one from from uh, Abel and brought that. But Cain doesn't see himself as a sinner. Cain doesn't see himself as a re- reprobate. He sees himself as a pretty good go- guy, and so he he brings to the Lord something that he has produced. He's a self-made man. He's a self-righteous man, and here God here's my offering and god sees cain's heart he sees his offering and he rejects it abel was all about he was a man of faith and cain didn't have anything to do with faith he was a self-righteous individual Look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, There's three passages in the New Testament that refer to Cain and Abel. But this is what the Bible says about uh, Abel in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel was a righteous individual. Abel could not make himself righteous. It was only something God could do. And Abel believed this through the sacrifice that he brought to the Lord God. God saw his faith. God, God made him righteous. And you know what? Even though Abel was cut off from a very early age, His voice still speaks to the day. His voice still speaks volumes. That's what God does through a, a faithful servant of the Lord. What a testimony. And this is who Abel is. Abel did this because Abel recognized his sinfulness. Now, the produce that that um, Cain brought—it's not necessarily b- bad, but it's out of place. You know, God's not going to um, institute uh, the the offerings until 25 years later through Moses to the children of Israel. And one of the offerings is a grain offering—you know, a, an offering of of the land. And people would bring a grain offering to the Lord as, as signifying their gratitude for all that God has uh, provided for them. It was, it's not a sin offering, but it was a thank offering. And, um, and yet this is not what Cain brought before the Lord. Cain was to bring, I believe, a sacrifice just like the testimony they've heard from their parents all those years before. But Cain didn't see himself as a sinner. He didn't see himself in need of forgiveness, of salvation. He was a self-righteous man. And God rejected Cain's offering. And when God rejected Cain's offering. Cain grew angry. Look at verse five. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell, and the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Now, he knows why Cain is angry. But God is giving Cain an opportunity to repent, to make things right. And I want you to see the grace of God in this passage of Scripture in the presence of an individual who's totally rebellious, Totally abstinent. He doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And yet God continues to, cons- to pursue Cain. God wants to be in relationship with Cain. God wants to forgive Cain. God wants to make Cain right. And so he asks the question, why is your, fa- why is your face fallen? cain is feels the rejection and cain is revealing his evil heart through god's rejection of his his offering cain is an evil person the bible describes cain the New Testament describes Cain in First John chapter three, verse twelve. You can just write this down. You can look at it later. I'll read the verse. First John three twelve says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Cain is evil. God sees Cain's heart. God sees Cain's offering. He rejects it. And Cain comes unglued. He is, he is highly upset. And there's something to be said here, church, when it comes to our worship. God doesn't accept just everyone's worship. There's only one worship that God accepts. And it's the worship that recognizes the substitutionary atonement of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. That is the worship that God acknowledges in the person of of Jesus Christ. Every other form of worship. Is damning. Our worship. Is to be centered. On the Lamb of God. Our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Who takes away our sin. Who takes away. The sin of the world. That's not reflected in Cain. Cain Is an evil man. John says in 1st John 3 verse 12. And Jude describes Cain as his lifestyle, who he was, as the way of Cain. He's the, he's the prototype of a person without God who is in rebellion against God. That's who Cain is. And yet, we see God's grace, compassion, and willingness to forgive as he continues to go to Cain. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in chapter 3. He comes to Cain and he asks Cain, why are is your face falling? Why has your face fallen? Verse 9, he says, the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Um, I do not know, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what, what have you done? These are questions um, for Cain to look inside. Questions that are encouraging Cain to come clean with God. And yet Cain doesn't. Cain is living in denial. He's self, self-righteous. He's lying to God. He takes no responsibility in what, what, he, what, he, what he's done. And so, uh, God, though, encourages Cain uh, in verses 5 through 7. I read this just a moment ago. Cain, if you do well. Cain, if you do the right thing. And Cain, you know what the right thing is. But if you do the right thing, God says you'll be accepted. But understand... If you do the right, wrong thing, it's not going to go well with you. In fact, sin is crouching at the door. Sin is ready to pounce. And God is saying, you need to master the sin, Cain, because if you don't, if you do the wrong thing, sin is going to master you sin is crouching at the door and my friend sin is crouching in our door sin knows our weaknesses sin knows what uh, gets the best of us and satan is just waiting to pounce when i think of that uh, picture of sin crouching at the door i had a little i had a neighbor one time when he was younger growing up he'd occasionally come over our house and uh, mom was uh, requesting something of us or uh uh he wanted to play with somebody uh and then so when he would come to our house he would knock on the door and we had a glass in our door and a stain, not cut glass. And uh, he would go up to one of those cut glasses where he could put his eye right next to that glass, and he could see inside. <laughs> and as you would approach the door, you could see his uh, his little eye peering <laughs> into to our home. And you know what? I get that picture when I read verse nine or verse verse seven. Sin is crouching at the door, ready to pounce. But we don't have to fear that sin. We don't have to fear the enemy. God says, if you do the right thing, if you do the right thing, things are going to go well for you. But, but be careful. If you do the wrong thing, Satan knows. And he wants to master you. And so Cain heard that exhortation. No, he actually, no, he didn't hear that exhortation. He didn't hear that wise counsel because in verse 8, the Bible says... Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Think about this. Cain had heard God's voice. Cain had had a one-on-one conversation with the God of heaven. And with Cain, it went in one ear and right out the other. And in the very next verse, Cain has made an appointment with his brother, seeking to kill him, and he does. And this isn't murder by accident. This is first-degree murder. This is something that Cain had planned in his heart for some time. That's how much Cain hated his brother. And Cain takes zero accountability for what he does. And when God comes and he questions Cain because he wants Cain to repent, to come clean, Cain lies. Cain is a prototype of the damned. Cain represents the world who is in rebellion against God, and the world is the way of Cain that Jude describes in verse 11. Cain hates true worshipers. Cain hates the idea that there is a God. That there is truth to be lived by. He hates the idea that uh, one is a sinner and stands need, uh, in need of forgiveness before a holy God. Cain doesn't believe these things. And Cain doesn't want us to believe that as well. Cain wants us to believe that it's okay to have evil desires of your heart that rule over you. This is what Cain believes. Do what you want. Do what feels right. It's not about the truth. Feelings, your desires are what matter most. Not what God says. That's the world that we live in today, church. And if you choose to believe God's words, you're going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to the things of this world. You're not going to be accepted. And we've got to deal with that. We've got to be Prepared for that. Persecution is coming. Persecution has taken place all over the world for millenniums. But it's coming to our land. It is here. And Cain doesn't want you to stand for the truth. Cain doesn't want you to stand on God's promises. He doesn't believe God's promises. God doesn't exist. But he does. He wants us to be ables, ables who live by faith, who see our sinfulness and our need for a Savior, who takes responsibilities for the choices that we make. Cain doesn't do that. And in verses 11 through 16, we see the consequences of Cain's um, unbelief, rejection of God. He's killed his brother, and so here are the consequences. Beginning with verse 11. God says, And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength you shall be a fugitive and wander and a wanderer on the earth. God says you'll no longer uh earn a living as being a farmer. Uh curse is going to be the ground. It will not yield its strength. And uh you know for Adam when he when he sinned and uh this was the consequence for his sin, work was going to be hard, but for Cain Whatever work he did, it was not going to. Ha- he was not going to have anything to show for himself. So he had to leave that profession. But not only did he have to leave the profession, but he had to leave the homeland. He had to leave his family. He was going to become a, fug- a fugitive and a wa- wanderer because he never took responsibility. And look at. Cain's reaction to these consequences verse 14 behold you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me in um, verse 13 Cain said to the Lord my punishment is greater than I can bear again Cain's not taking responsibility it's all about his feelings. God, this is going to be too hard for me. You're you're mean. Why are you doing this to me? He never admits his sinfulness. And yet, this first degree murderer, who is whining to God as to how hard his life is going to be, He fears for his life, and uh, we get the, the idea that there are a lot more people on the face of the earth that have come from Adam and Eve, and so these are extended family members who may want to kill Cain, and Cain is afraid that that might happen, and this is what God says to Cain, again, his grace. Cain doesn't deserve this. Cain hasn't earned this, but God still cares. He says, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. God spared his life. God had cain's back. Cain didn't come back to the Lord, no. In the very first next verse, Cain left the Lord's presence. What a sad what a sad testimony. Verse 16, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He left the Lord's presence. Verse 1, oh, there was great optimism. Maybe this is the seed. Maybe this is the child that's going to bruise the head of the serpent. And no, Cain never came into a relationship with God. Cain never believed. His heart was only evil and he went away from the presence of the Lord and sand, settled in the land of Nod. And Nod, Nod means wandering. Cain lived an aimless life. He wasted it all away. And so, my question to you this morning is who are you? What does God see in you? A heart of faith? a heart that stands in need of God's grace and forgiveness? Or does God see a self-made person, a self-righteous person who doesn't need God's forgiveness? God, this morning, I praise speaking to all of us. And God's Spirit is saying to all of us, do the right thing. Humble yourself. Believe in me. Live a life of dependence on me. Trust me. Stand on my promises. And things will go well for you if you don't I guarantee you sin is crouching at the door and will become master of your life but God in his grace wants to spare you from that if you'll just surrender to him don't be like king Be able. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And and Lord...